Howdy folks, this is Living with a Genius. I'm your host, Omar Crook. I just finished speaking with stage director Trevor Ross. I met him at LA Opera, where he uh, works normally. We had a really great conversation for about an hour about his journey into directing, how he came to uh, Los Angeles. He was originally from uh, South Carolina. That was a very interesting story. Um, and I've worked with him for I think six years or so and this is the first time I've had a chance to sit down and have a chat with him outside of work so it was very um, fulfilling for me to get a story and to get to know somebody who I've worked with so many times and um, he's a he's a very articulate sensitive guy um, and I love his work he's a very good director uh, and we had a really great chat so I hope you like it. I also hope you all send me an email, omar at livingwithagenius.com. I'd love to hear from you. And in the meantime, I hope you enjoy the interview, Trevor Ross. Thanks for listening. So you you were telling me about um, being in London? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, well, what I was saying is that I feel like the, the budget, um, like the budget crises that they're having and what they're trying to do feels like they're going backwards a little bit where and I feel like it should be it should be government subsidized it should be a part of, of um, just general cultural um, edification for all in sure. some way I, th I really I find a lot of value in that and I feel like um, like they're going back they're they're trying to mirror the American system which I think for the arts is just totally bankrupt oh I completely agree I completely agree. I mean, it's interesting because, you know, I got into the business later in life, you know. It, yeah. It, yeah, me too. Me too. It wasn't something that I had any intention of doing when I was in school or anything like that. But unfortunately, I, in the in the, the bigger picture, I, I hit things uh, with economic downturn. You know, yeah. it's kind of like you chose the, yeah. the worst time <laughs> to get into the business, right? Because now you companies should be banking. Are, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, you know, I've always had to deal with that. That's all I've ever known in a lot of ways. Just coincidentally. I mean, just coincidentally. It's just, yeah, just it, shakes out that it, way. It's just the way that it worked out. You know, uh -huh. the beginning of my career was working for a lot of regional companies or you know, a lot of companies in the States who are, are, are middle, middle ground companies budgetarily. And, yeah. and I've always, I started off and, and I had to work with these companies who were under strict limitations financially, you yeah. know, it was, it wasn't about, Ooh, let's, let's lay it all out on the table and spend a couple million. Yeah. It yeah. Was, yeah. They just didn't have it. Yeah. yeah. It, it was about, here's what we have. What can we do for this? Now, what when can you we do with this? When you said you got to it, um, later in life, what, how did that, first of all, how old, how old were you? I don't. Oh, I was, I was, uh, in my thirties. Really? Yeah. By the time I got to it. Absolutely. What were you studying? Well, what I, led, I, uh, well, what were you studying prior to that and what led you to it? Well, it was really interesting because, um, you know, I, I always wanted to be a musician. I mean, uh, my, my mother, my parents were both school teachers and my mother was an elementary school music teacher for 30 plus years until she retired. Where, where was that? This was in South Carolina. In South I grew Carolina. up in South Carolina. Yeah. And, uh, and my dad was a high school football coach slash chemistry physics professor. I can't believe it because my wife's parents are basically the same. Her, my oh, father-in-law is yeah. a coach and my mother-in-law is a kindergarten teacher. Isn't that funny? It's crazy. Yeah. It's so weird. But yeah. they, it was such a weird, it's such an odd, um, 
mix up with my parents, you know, because you've got this, my mom, this elementary school music, and she was really into it. You yeah. Know? Was she a pianist or? Uh, she was a pianist uh-huh. when she was in school, but, you know, I had her when I was in elementary school and. and what was that like? Um, was that all right? Or? It was all right. It was actually pretty cool. I guess cool. you're still at that age when it's cool yeah. to be with your folks. Yeah, know, your absolutely. Folks. Yeah. And she's the one that really introduced me to music more so than anything. You know? Did you study did you, did you study piano? or I did. So I started taking piano, obviously, when I was really, really young. Huh. And uh, all through school and through, through public school, through high school. Yeah. And, um, of course, you know, I mean, I was a teenager at the time. And I said, yes, this is what I want to do. I'm going to be the best there is. And Yeah. Which is all lies. It's such a lie. <laughs> such a lie. But I think we all know that. I yeah. mean, you know, we all reach that point where you kind of have to look at it. I can remember my father telling me two of the greatest moments that I've ever had with my father. Um, because he wasn't a musician. He appreciated music. Uh-huh. But but he was a sports guy. I yeah. mean, you know, that was his life. And yeah. his world revolved kind of around sports. Yeah. And... Um, it's, it's really funny because two of the, the, the greatest things, two moments, the greatest moments with my father, one of them was uh, when I was uh, a senior in high school, and, and I said, you know, I want to go to school to, to study music. And my dad turned to me and he said, you're really great in this small community that we have. Yeah. You're not going to be really great when you get into the big world. How old were you? I was maybe I think seventeen, sixteen, oh, okay. seventeen so you were at the time. Basically an adult. Oh, well, so I was you, an adult. you were you were getting what he was saying. I, I totally was yeah. getting what he was saying. But uh-huh. you know, there's that internal part of you that's like, I don't care what you have to say. I'm still going to do it. Yeah, anyway. right. Uh, and you know, both of them being school teachers, they were, you know, it was great lifestyle for me growing up as a kid. They had summers off. We were able yeah. to travel and do a lot of stability. Together. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Are you an only child? No, I have a younger sister. Okay. A younger sister, and it's just the two of us. Uh-huh. Um, was she studying music as well? No, no. Actually, she became a child psychologist. Okay. Which is completely interesting okay. in its own right. Sure. I, I just wanted to know if you had like a family band. No, no, no the family traps. band. Yeah, okay. No. But, but that's what I went to school for. I, you know, I disregarded everything my father told me because that's what you do you when did. you're 16. Uh, and so I said, this d- is what I'm going to do. Uh, uh, did you major in some kind of performance? Uh, like piano, piano perform- performance. You that did. That was pretty much what I did. And I, and I got a, I got a, uh, because I went to a Southern Baptist school uh-huh. in South Carolina. Yeah. I went to a Southern Baptist school mainly because the, the couple that I had been taking piano from jointly, uh-huh. this married couple, uh-huh. were both tenure professors at the school that I ended up going to. I see. It's a perfect situation. Yeah. Just transitioned right into. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So I ended up going to the Southern Baptist school. Um, yeah. And, and I, and I got my degree in, in, I got two degrees actually the I have also have a degree in, in organ, which really? is random. Um, but, but it was funny because when I was in school, you know, on Wednesday nights and Sundays, it's Southern Baptist school. So on Wednesday nights, you had a service on Sunday mornings, you had a service. Okay. We had this big, huge auditorium that had this massive pipe organ on the side of the wall. It had been there for forever. And, um, I used to plunk around on it just yeah. for fun. Yeah. You know, like I after was the, the service or something. Exactly. Uh-huh. I was the weird guy that had the keys that went into the organ loft at 2 a.m. just to plunk around on the organ when nobody was in there. All the lights are off. Wow. You're just kind of, you know, jamming for lack of a better word. Really? I would and have been so, using that key for different purposes. Oh, I know. Right. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was amazing, amazing experience. And so, yeah, I, I, I ended up, you know, taking enough classes and. And a lot of it, you know, obviously yeah, it overlaps. overlaps. Yeah, sure. Um, but, but yeah, I thought it was great. 
it was it was amazing it was amazing and your aspiration was to be a concert pianist yeah, yeah absolutely wow absolutely uh but as we all know i mean the, well the that's world a tough is, boy that's yeah, a tough the gig. world's not fair right that's i mean a tough gig. it is it well is. yeah i mean it's uh, it's a you know it has a lot to do with luck it has a lot to do with who you know it has it's, oh there's so many factors that tie so into many it. things so many factors that tie into it yeah uh yeah but so uh, long story longer um so that's what I did. Got out of school. It took me about two years to realize that I'd made a horrible mistake. What? Really? Uh, yeah, it really, really did. You know what? It, you know, you know what it was. Is it wasn't necessarily the performance or the stress or or any of that. Um, quite honestly, um, it was the loneliness. It was the lonely factor. It's funny because I uh, I had this conversation with um, a girl named Georgia Stitt, who I did a podcast with, and. We, I mentioned that about my, about myself. I don't know if it was with Georgia. I, I don't remember, but I'm the same way. I have, I have a real problem with um, um, practicing because it's so solitary, yeah, and you cannot yeah. be a great instrumentalist without without putting in that. so many hours by yourself. That's exactly and that's, right. Honestly, that's one thing. I I did a lot of principal singing early on, um, ten fifteen years ago. I, I sang sang all over the place and right. And uh, I made a kind of a conscious choice to be in the chorus. I like the, I like the camaraderie. I like the company. Some of my best friends are there. I get, so I, it's not like I ever really work because it's so much fun right. for me. So, um, principal singing, solo singing is stressful. It's lonely. You, um, at my level, I was singing in B houses as a principal, C houses as a principal. And I wasn't making any more money. I was actually making less money doing that than I do right. being home with my family and being with my friends and just having a, you know, just a gay old time. That's right. It's, That's it's right. so much better for me, for my personality. So you have a similar personality. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm not, uh, I'm not a loner. I, I, yeah. I'm definitely enjoy other people way too much M me to, too. to be by myself yeah. in a room. So did, uh, when you said you'd made a terrible mistake, what were you, I, I'm wondering, or were you living on your own? At I that was. point, you were. I and was. were you trying to make it as a pianist as yes. when you left college and moved out of the house? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I mean, that was the big thing. Um, I, I can't say that a lot of it, a lot of it was, um, a lot of it was indeed what I wanted to do, what I felt inside, what I really, really excited me. Um, and then a lot of, of moving away and instantly trying to make it work was just to prove to my parents that I could do it. Yeah. And a, a lot that's a tall order. It is a tall you know? order. It is a tall order. I mean, I learned so much during that period of time in my life. So it how was, did you start? And to, were you like going to cafes and trying to gig or what? Well, you know, how, what I do you would do? accompany a lot uh -huh. or... Um, Vocal, uh, you mean for singers? For singers. I see. Which I did a lot of when I was in college. Oh. That's about as far as I ever got into the opera world. And that wasn't even opera. That was art song. You okay. Know? But playing senior recitals and things like that. Wow. Which was a lot of fun. And I liked that because I was working with someone. goes back to what we just yeah, said. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it just, you know, you try. I didn't have management. What did I know? You mm -hmm. know, I'm, I didn't. Where, where I grew up, we didn't. There was no symphony. There, there was mm -hmm. no hall for, for touring show, Broadway shows okay. or anything like that. I mean, so there's we no had to outlet. drive. Yeah, we had to drive three or four hours to Atlanta or to Charlotte to actually hit a house that 
you know, had a regular season. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't something that was easy. So you were still living in South Carolina after you got out of college. I moved to Charlotte. I moved to North Carolina. Yeah. I moved up to Charlotte, North Carolina. It was a larger city. It was still in the South. Mm -hmm. I still felt comfortable there. I had friends that lived there Mm -hmm. that, you know, Mm -hmm. were doing other things. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but I just, I realized over time that, and this is really the important part. And the one thing that I've learned over time, over the, years that mm-hmm. I've been doing multiple, multiple things mm-hmm. is I realized then that, um, the pressure put upon young people to make a decision is, is incredibly hard. Overwhelming. Yeah, it is overwhelming. Mm-hmm. This idea that you've got this very short period of time when you're somewhat still immature, not really, uh, a, an adult in that you don't have a, a an idea of what the world really truly works mm-hmm. like. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, um, you haven't really had to go out on your own yet. And, mm-hmm. but yet you're supposed to make all of these lifelong decisions before you, that even occurs. Right. And, and I realized that what I wanted to do and what drew me to play the piano, um, and what drew me to everything that I've ever done is I just wanted to entertain people. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just wanted I knew what it was like for me in those instances to step outside of my hometown and drive three hours to go see a Broadway show. Mm-hmm. Um, and the feeling that that gave you. The feeling yeah. it gave me because mm-hmm. it, it, I forgot about everything else. Mm-hmm. I forgot about the three hour drive. I forgot about anything that was going on at school or, mm-hmm. or at work or with my family. It would just all went away. Mm-hmm. And I loved that. I mean, it was this outlet for me, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, they, we always talk about artists and how they have their outlets and where did they come from? Where did they, where did the interest first appear? Where did, where did that interest, you know, where did was it the manifest segue? itself? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I think for me, it was a lot of kind of growing up in the country and not having a lot of opportunity um, to, to be able to, to, to go out and see a lot of things, mm-hmm. but, but, um, but it, it made me want to do it even more. And remember when I was 13, when I turned 13, um, uh, my mom decided for my birthday that she and I were going to fly to New York city. Never been to New York city. Before. Wow. We we're going to fly to New York city for a weekend, mm-hmm. long weekend. Mm-hmm. And all we were going to do was watch Broadway shows the entire time we were there. That's all we were going to do from the night we arrived matinee evening, the next day, matinee evening, the next day. And we, we we hit it all. We hit them all up. Wow. And I remember, um, I remember going back to the hotel room the night before we were supposed to fly back home. And I told my mom, I said, this is what I want to do. I don't know what that means. I don't, I don't, I'm not a singer. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I have no idea how I fit into this world, but mm-hmm. this is the world that I want to be in somehow. Yeah. It doesn't matter really what it is. Yeah. You know, I'll, sh- I'll schlep scenery across the stage if I need to, but this is the you world, be in this world that yeah. I want to be in. Did you ever try singing? Um, you know, when I was in high school, I mean, I sang in all state choir, choir. And, uh-huh. and stuff like that. And uh-huh. when I was in college, I sang in the university choir as okay. well. So, I mean, I, I did sing a lot, but uh-huh. it wasn't something that, wasn't your thing. Yeah. It just wasn't really my thing. Huh. It wasn't something that I found a whole lot of, derived a whole lot of pleasure from. Um, and I, and I, I, like I said, I didn't know, I just, I really didn't know how I was going to fit in into that environment, but I knew that 
I would somehow. All right. So you're in Charlotte two years after you graduate from college and you realize that you've made a terrible mistake with the piano. I realize. Uh, well, talk, talk yeah. me through that. How'd that go down? Well, you know, I, um, like I said, there was a lot of travel. I did have gigs, you know, I would go to smaller symphonies to play. Oh, nice. Th- play things. As a soloist. As a soloist. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, which was really great. And, you know, uh, I did have work. It wasn't that I didn't have work. I did have work. It just wasn't nearly as fulfilling as I thought it was going to be. That's how I felt too. It just, it didn't, it didn't, the cup didn't runneth over. Right. The cup was half empty. Right. And I knew that that was not what I wanted for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, was it ner- were you was it the nerves was it the isolation was it a lot of it had to do with the isolation, the isolation. yeah uh-huh. i mean i grew up in the south and and i know that has so many connotations but i grew up in the south you know it's we were a tight family yeah very tight community fraternal yeah mm-hmm. very much mm-hmm. and and that is what i loved about and i didn't want to lose that yeah i didn't want that to go away um but i didn't see any way of keeping that while traveling it's impossible. Practicing. Yeah. It, it just, yeah, it's not something that's attainable. Yeah. Um, it is for some people. It seems to be. It is. And I think it depends upon the person. Yeah, I do too. And I think that, I think temperament has a lot to do with success in the arts in general. Oh, I think and so I too. think being able to travel and, and maintain a family and a relationship is, a, is about temperament as well. It is. Uh, and just it who is. you were as a five-year-old kid, basically. Absolutely. And, and, and yeah, I mean, it, all of that and and more it's it's a hard lifestyle i mean we say that all the time and mm-hmm. that's kind of something everyone says but mm-hmm. there's there's really truth behind that. Yeah. that's why everyone says it mm-hmm. but so i decided okay this is not for me what am i going to do with the rest of my life mm-hmm. um but the opportunities were endless i just had to figure it out yeah um so while i was figuring it out uh and this is where the story gets crazy while i was figuring it out you were, were you living by yourself i was living by room? myself no roommates nothing okay no roommates uh-huh. Um, and I decided what am I going to do? I need to get out there. I'm, I'm really lonely. I'm sitting at home. I'm trying to figure out what to do with the rest of my life. Woe is me. And, um, I decided I was going to go take a ballroom dancing class, which seems completely absurd. I know. But when I was in college, um, I had to have a PE course to graduate. Uh huh. And, um, of course, I was in a practice room all the time. Yeah, yeah. So the only P course that I could actually take was ballroom dancing, which was on Sunday afternoons at like two o'clock. Uh huh. You uh-huh. know, and nobody's doing anything on Sunday afternoons at two o'clock. Uh huh. And so it kind of harkened back to something I had enjoyed. Yeah, you I really already had experience that. with it. Yeah. It wasn't something t- too scary or new or whatever. Exactly. Uh-huh. So, so, just so you did uh, it just to get out there, just, just to, to get away, get out of the to, house. Right. You know, mm-hmm. meet Clear people, your head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. get my mind, because it's so easy, as we all know, yeah, to, to just that, stew. Yeah. Yeah. Just get in the rut you can't get out of. Yes. Um, so anyway, I started doing that, um, and it turned out I was, I was really good at it. And the company that I was actually taking classes for approached me and said, um, you know, would you be willing to come work for us? And I said, well, I haven't really thought about it. This is purely social for me. It's yeah. not something that I've ever... but. Right now, I have nothing else going on. I'm trying to figure out what to do with the rest of my life. Sure, why not? Yeah. Um, so I started working for them, teaching. Um, and then I met who I met a girl who eventually became my partner. And That's where you and Lila met? No. Oh, no. oh. This was the girl before, before Lila. Before, I see. 
and sorry, Lila. No, no worries. She knows all <laughs> about it. Um, it's um, yeah, it's one of those situations where and she was a dancer as she well. She was a dancer. Huh. We just connected. Uh huh. And um, yeah, and then we ended up doing it professionally. You're kidding? No, not at all. I had no idea. I didn't know. You know, yeah. I've known you for t- uh, like ten years now. And we were talking down when we were talking down in the kitchen. I mentioned that I, this is the first time I've really had a chance to sit down and just hang out and just have yeah, a, yeah. a chat. I had no idea, first of all, that you were a professional pianist, and secondly, that you're a goddamn professional dancer. It's the weirdest. That's I've unbelievable. Had the odd. I've, I've had. I don't want to say odd because it's not odd. I've had the most interesting life. I wouldn't change it for the world. Now looking yeah. back on it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so that's what we started doing. We eventually got married. Um, and you know, we traveled, Yeah. but I was traveling with someone and we, I had a partner yeah, and we right. were doing it together and I was so excited about it after having been so lonely for so many, you know, for, for so many months, yeah. years even. Yeah. Um, now I, I get endlessly tired about people asking, Oh, you're a singer. Do, do they pay you for that? Or how do you make, how do you make a living doing that? But now I'm going to ask you the same question because I don't know anything about professional dance and how you make a living. How did you pay the rent? Uh, taught I a see. lot of it comes from teaching. I see a lot of it comes from teaching. Uh-huh. Um, and then you travel to competitions and things travel like to that? competitions. I mean, competitions, there was always, you know, like anything else, there was always a, a purse. A per- there was yeah. always, a, mm-hmm. you know, money depending upon how you placed and mm-hmm. all of that the kind of thing. The size of the competition. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. But a lot of it had to do with, um, you know, we used to teach a lot to trade for, um, rehearsal space. Oh, just barter. Um, because and we we'd say you know we'll teach three classes three group classes a week at your school if you'll give us you know X seven amount of eight hours, hours huh? in in your studio because you need the studio space to rehearse. I mean mm-hmm. we didn't live some we didn't we lived in an apartment huh? yeah we didn't live somewhere where we could actually do any of that right. And then you would also teach classes and teach private classes um, for for these companies and and that's essentially how we made money. I mean that's that's kind of how we lived. And were you still based out of Charlotte? We were. Uh-huh. I see. We were. It's funny because my ex-wife had come into dancing. She um taught uh English lit at UNC Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And got into dancing the same way to just do it as a as a just, social outlet. As a social outlet for herself and then we actually ended up meeting and it just worked out. Wow. So, yeah. So, um, yeah. So I did that for, for how long we did that for about four or five years. Wow. Uh, and then we got to the point where we thought, okay, this is great. Uh, she was from the South as well, mm-hmm. but we need to start thinking about family. Yeah. We need to start. We've gotten to that point in our lives, that age where, you know, if, if we want there to be more than what there is right now, we really need to start focusing on that. Mm-hmm. So we kind of dropped back and didn't, didn't do as many competitions. We didn't teach as many classes. She took a, um, a professor position back at UNC mm-hmm. with her, um, literature department, mm-hmm. teaching classes, trying to make some stability for yourselves yeah. in a, a local exactly. way. Uh-huh. Exactly. So uh-huh. that so you're that nesting we were, basically yeah, nesting. That's yeah. exactly right. That's mm-hmm. exactly right. Um, and then I took a job as the assistant director of production for the Performing Arts Center in downtown Charlotte, the Blumenthal Performing How'd Arts Center. How'd that come about? Uh, ad in the newspaper. Really? A complete ad in the and newspaper. And you'd never worked in that 
field at all. Really, no, huh. I, I knew nothing about it. But it was the assistant, and I thought this is perfect. yeah, like an apprenticeship. It's great. You sure. know, I'd always wanted. It harkens back to that thirteen-year-old trip mm-hmm. to New York. Yeah, like I know I want to do something yeah. in this. I don't know what it is, but I'm gonna find it. So someday. this opportunity came around, and it and must I thought, have really resonated. What is this gonna yeah. hurt? You know, let me yeah. get into this and see what's going on. Well, of course, I took the job, and then two months later, they fired my boss. And then said, oh. great, here you are. <laughs> Which, you know, I mean, the Blumenthal's not a massive place, but you've got five theaters, two art galleries, an entire education facility. I mean, it's a massive space that is in like three different buildings downtown. So you had to learn how to swim real quick. Really quick. Yeah. Really, really quick. Yeah. Real fast. That's great, man. Um, that, that's a great. I mean, trial by fire. That's the oh, best. Oh yeah, it is the best. That's way. The, yeah, because you know right away if you're gonna if you're cut out for this or not. That's absolutely. And if you right. are, like you really are. Like you've got you've got it. Right. That's the great thing about it. It is. It's the best thing, and it's the best way to learn some things is when you just get dropped in the pot of boiling water. Yeah. You you don't have enough time to think about it. You just have to do it. Yeah. And um, I think with people that I think you and I have a very similar personality in that we, um, you know, I really, I love people. I love being around people and I can get people to help me in a way that's rewarding for them. And I, I imagine, I see the way that you direct you, you emphasize camaraderie and cooperation. So I would imagine that that work, if you had the right, you obviously had the right team of people because you're still doing it. And I bet it worked out. It was great. I loved every moment of it. I loved every single moment of it. You know, I mean, it was an, I was in a house where, you know, I had an office. This, you know, me never having worked in a, in a performing arts center environment before, yeah. I had an office that was backstage right next to the That's like your dream come room. true. It was. It was great in every way, you know. I mean, uh, we had resident companies. The Charlotte Symphony was there. Mm-hmm. Opera Carolina is. That's their yeah. home. I mean, we had five or six different resident companies within that house plus a full Broadway season that mm-hmm. came through. Um, and I loved it, loved it. It fulfilled everything that I wanted. Yeah. I was actually involved. I got to see sets come off of the truck and go onto the stage. And I got to work with the master electrician and the master carpenter. And, yeah. you know, I mean, it was, it was amazing in so many ways. Um, unfortunately, the thing about that is that um, it is very time consuming. And I was working probably close to 80 hours a week. I mean, I was had to run essentially the whole, living the in whole, It'd office. be like running the, the music center, the whole plaza, yeah, it, everything. It, it's just, it, it, it is all time consuming. And it's not something where you can say, oh, I'm not going to do that. Because that, that's not an option. Right. You know, the load in for, you know, Beauty and the Beast starts at 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. I need to be there to meet the company manager when the trucks roll Jeez. into the dock. Um and so I loved it, but it didn't jive with my married life because I was gone a lot. Jeez. I mean, a did, lot, uh, a lot. And uh, so that became problematic. Yeah. And then it was a hard decision for me. Yeah. Uh, it's a hard decision for everyone. I think everyone is hit with these decisions in their lifetime, mm-hmm. especially if you're going to be in the arts mm-hmm. in some way, shape or form. For sure. Um, it was a hard decision for me because, man, I could not be any happier with my job. Like, I was in yeah. seventh heaven. I loved it. And I um, bet your wife saw that. She did. You can't she deny it. She absolutely did. Yeah. She absolutely did. Um, but it was not... Um, well, it makes it hard to visualize having a family it does. under those conditions, under right? Under those circumstances. I mean... 
there are times here where I, just this last week, my son has been feeling ill and I'm up at two in the morning with him. Right. And I, I couldn't be at work. Just it wouldn't work. Exactly. It's, it's hard. It's hard to do all those things. And so you had to make, I had to make a hard decision. I had to decide, okay, now I have to decide, do I really want this? Do I really want to stay in this kind of world that I've always dreamed of? Mm -hmm. Or do I want to continue to create a family, mm -hmm. which is also something I've always dreamed of? Mm -hmm. um, and I had to make a decision between the two. Did you guys have a real like come to Jesus we did. talk? We did. We, had, we we sat down one we many nights actually it wasn't one night it was uh -huh. multiple multiple weeks uh -huh. of trying to figure out what we wanted to do you know I even went to my work and said okay listen I'm having some issues yeah Is what there can we a do way yeah. that we might be able to shift some things or over? get an assistant or something right yeah and uh, we unfortunately just could not we couldn't figure it out. We just, we couldn't figure out how to make both of them work together. Her fear obviously was that if I, if I stopped doing my job and if I found something different that I'd be miserable the rest yeah, of the time. Yeah, and resentful. Mm -hmm. um, my fear was, is that if I stayed in the job and uh, continued to work like I did, that I was essentially eliminating uh, the relationship. Mm -hmm. Absentee landlord. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So... So, you know, so we had to make that hard decision. And so we ended up getting divorced oh, shit, man. and stopped, you know, uh, we didn't, of course, dancing was done at that point. Um, and yeah. And so we, we got a divorce, amicable, um, parting of ways, mm -hmm. which was very unfortunate. Mm -hmm. Um, did she go on to marry and have a family? She two? did. She lives in Texas. So she she lives in Texas. She's got a, a it's worked out husband and three really. kids. Oh yeah, it's worked out perfect. It's mm. worked out perfect in the yeah. end. Yeah. And I think if you look at things realistically, if you're adult about decisions that you make, if mm -hmm. you sit down and you discuss it, mm -hmm. and you keep an open line of communications, mm -hmm. it will always work out for the best. You yeah. just have to trust that. It's that hard happens. to. It's, it's hard to do that. It's hard to do that. It takes courage, really. It does. And it commitment. Does. It's a step into the unknown. It is. Yeah. Yeah, it happened with my wife and I. I mean, we've been through some tough times and, you know, part of part of the relationship problems that I've had have, have, has just revolved around not being truthful and being afraid of the truth and not yeah. being able to talk about it. Yeah. And my wife finally gave me the space to do that. I mean, I think I've had the space with other relationships. I just didn't. I don't know if I wasn't ready or I just didn't value those relationships as much or I didn't have the facility, but I know exactly what you're talking about. And, and I don't know, I, for some reason, speaking truthfully it, within the scaffolding of a relationship is really stressful for some reason. I'd like to, it used to be for me to just speak truthfully about how I feel, thinking that it's yeah. going to blow up or it's just oh, going to, yeah. the repercussions know, so, are going to come back. I mean, it sounds like ass. you were in your, 20s when you had that I was in my yeah I was I in mean, my late 20s it took me 20 years past that to get to that point it's it was difficult yeah I difficult to say the least yeah but it was the right decision yeah and I, I wouldn't change it if I went back I, I wouldn't change any of the decisions so uh, you that I made yeah. so you stayed at that job so I stayed at that job past the, the the yeah past your marriage yeah uh-huh um and just so happened I think maybe two seasons later, uh, Jim Mina, who was the, um, the president 
and principal maestro of the Opera Carolina, which mm-hmm. is the resident opera company that mm-hmm. I'd worked with for several seasons then. Yeah. Um, worked for the house that they performed in. He came to me and said, you know what? I think you should direct opera. And I said, I don't know anything about opera. What do I know? Yeah. And he said, it makes no difference. He said, you need to, you need to direct opera. So the secret's out. Right. <laughs> he said, you need to direct opera. That's what you need to do. Okay. You've got all, you've got the musical background. You've got the movement background. The people skills. Yeah. You, you were used mm-hmm. to working with a crew. Like mm-hmm. you've got it all there. Mm-hmm. We just need to get you into the biz. Somehow. Wow. He had it a real advocate. Huge. It was huge. And so I said, um, I said, well, you know what? I've done a lot of things thus far in my life. Yeah. And a new challenge is great for me right now. Yeah. Because I need something new. And so he and I applied at the time Opera America, which of course is the service organization Mm -hmm. for the nationwide service organization for opera in the United States. Right. They still had, they don't do it anymore, unfortunately, because of funding, et cetera. But they they had a um, fellowship program at Opera America, where they selected four or five fellows every year, and, and you had a fellowship for a, a year-long, 12-month-long program. That they where, funded? That they completely funded. Wow. Okay. And you essentially spent all 12 months split over three different opera companies of different sizes in different geographical locations, um, and worked with all of those companies for three or four months at a time before you jump in the car and drive off to the next, wow, whatever the next company. So was. it's really designed to uh, help you launch a career in that in yeah. that field. It yeah. wasn't for people who <clears throat> were already in the right. field. It was for people who were interested in the field and mm-hmm. and have been vetted and re- yeah. and recommended. And, oh yeah, mm-hmm. and it was this big long process. You mm-hmm. had to go through questionnaires, and then you had to go for a regional interview, and then you had to go for a national wow. interview, and it was this big, huge, long process. And they put you on some kind of stipend or salary, or you. It was all paid. Wow. All your travel, all your food, all all of your lodging. It's like twelve months. That's was, amazing. And then they gave you a couple thousand dollars on top of it to spend to go yeah. see other productions or go. Uh, I spent my $6,000 on Nico Castell translation books. Well, yeah, it's like four bucks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, but at that, you know, I mean, I. That's amazing. I, it was great for me. It yeah. was it was an immense for me. Yeah. I spent uh, the summer at Glimmerglass for the first time that year. Uh, and then during the season, I was at Minnesota Opera for a couple of months, and then I was down in Arizona. And were Opera you for a were months. you assistant directing, or were you essentially that's what I was doing? Uh huh. So was they ass- would assign you to a different director exactly. for every production. Yeah, and so and so I, that's that's how I kind of really got into opera uh, was through that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then I I came out of that fellowship program, and there were lot there was lots of work wow you know, i mean it was instantaneous it was crazy how people you know of course i made so many friends and colleagues through opera america sure. and and word of mouth you know travels and people talk and um and how did you know repertoire at that point operatic repertoire did I you studied every night so as a kid you weren't an opera yeah. fanatic no at all. i had no idea what uh, right. opera was as right. a kid you know Okay. No idea. So again, you were thrown out of the boat and you really had to sink or swim. Yeah. 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 No, I used to stay up late at night, you know, listening to entire pieces. I read, I mean, I love to read anyway. I'm a huge, huge reading fiend. Mm -hmm. 
um, read everything that I could. You know, I would say, okay, this next month is French opera. And then I'd listen to everything and read everything that I possibly could about French opera. And then the next month would be something different, you know? Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I, I, I learned. Um, I had a lot of really great colleagues along the way, a lot of really great mentors. Yeah. Um, and were you still based out of still in Charlotte In Charlotte, still in Charlotte. Uh-huh. Um, and how old, how old were you at this point? Like 27? Yeah. I was in my late twenties, early thirties. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And, and you were on your way. Like you, that was, was it. You had a gig. That was it. That was, that was kind of the, the blasting off point uh-huh. for me because then, you know, I was newly divorced and uh new career new career uh, endless opportunities that's the point in which i said okay private my personal life has to be put on hold because this is something that i can't do with baggage and i mean baggage in the best way yeah 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 um but this is not something that you have I'm, to be untethered you, you do yeah you just have to say i need to spend time for myself yes uh which is what i did and you know, I just took off from there. I mean, I got management, who is a great colleague and mentor of mine, who I still have. Who, where's that? Um, Bernard. Bernard oh, on. Sure, I've worked with Bernard. Bernard and I, old old friends. I didn't I mean, know that. He was one of the first people I assisted when I came out of the fellowship program, and he and Diana are essentially my opera family. I mean, they have taken care of me through the years. That's Incredible. fantastic. Wow. He's Incredible. a great director, too. He's an amazing yeah. director. <clears throat> amazing director. Um, yeah. So then it just kind of took off from there, you know, and uh, started getting directing gigs in regional houses. And all over the country? All or over the, the country. So you weren't in the South anymore. You were no, you're out and about. I was all over the place. Wow. All okay. over the place. Um, I, I took a gig down in Miami at Florida Grand Opera mm-hmm. for for uh, a season, which ended up turning into like three seasons, which is how Rupert Hemmings and I know each other because he was ah, the production stage Michelle manager. was there. Yeah, that's where they met. That's where they oh, met. Oh, that's great. So, yeah. So that's how I know them so well. It's just because we all hung in Miami back when we were young and no children. So w- w- were you like, a, I don't know what you call Were you like a house director? Like a house director, yeah. I see. Yeah, exactly. So some productions would have would come with their own directors, and some you would remount, exactly. or some you a would lot of conceive and things like that. Did you do do any conceptions? No, no. no so just remounts. Not just a lot of remounts. Uh-huh. I was very young uh-huh. at that point. Uh huh. Young in the business. What's it like doing a remount? Is it? Uh, it's interesting. You know, I'm sure some are obviously better than others. And what do you do when you take exception to the original concept? Do you have the wiggle room to do what you want with it, or sometimes not so you much? do, sometimes you don't. I and think what it depends what determines upon, that? It depends upon who the original director is and what your relationship and, is and with them and how well you know them. Got it. And because um, I would think they would take great offense if some somebody if they didn't some, know it. There are some things that directors are very very um you know like attached to exactly uh the idea was was an original idea that they really wanted to follow through on and then there are some things that they say you know what that's something that doesn't work anymore staging the first time around you've got different people right do something different if you want to do something different right okay it's not something that they're stuck on it's not a through line it's not something that they feel like needs to be played through the entire piece it's just a momentary So I've got a couple questions. How far in advance do you know that you'll be directing a remount? Typically, typically 12 months. And during that time, do you make it a point to contact the original 
director yes. and discuss the concept and what you can and cannot do. Yes. That's a big part of it. That is a, that is a big part of it. Okay. Um, and sometimes that is a really lengthy, I've met with directors and we spent an entire weekend together. Like you go out through. and yeah, yeah. I'll go wherever they, wherever are. they live and you, t- wow. Um, okay. Sometimes the directors don't have a lot of time. And so it's a hour long meeting and you've got 20 most important questions and you go down the list and that's about it. You get, and then they have to go off to rehearsal somewhere. So now, are there le- like time. actual formal legal problems with changing somebody's, do they own it in a way that is on paper and is official and they do own it. I they see. do own it. And, it, and, and it is on paper. I mean, you know, if, if a company decides to do a specific director's production, um, they pay for the right to do that production. I see. So they, even if that director doesn't come in to direct the show, say mm-hmm. it's I remounted or mm-hmm. their associate comes in to mm-hmm. do it, they're still getting a fee off of that. I see. It's, it's proprietary. It's, it's, it's I understand. definitely their It's like piece. a piece of music. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. Now, within that, there's leeway. And, and really good directors know that. And, and I, I think really... And encourage it, I would and imagine. And encourage, because yeah. they understand. You know, you're working with a different cast. It's not the original cast that you work right. with. That makes a big difference. Right. People play things differently. Whatever worked for your soprano this then, time, mm-hmm. um, this time around, might not work at all for right. you. Right. For whatever reason. And you reason. don't want to force it because mm-hmm. if you force it, then there's then nothing it's creative that happens. Yeah. 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 And it's, sometimes it's not even the same decade. Exactly. I mean, things exactly. aren't topical anymore. That's right. That's absolutely right. Or it's for a different house. Uh-huh. I've remounted some things that were meant, built, and meant for a place. very specifically for oh, that I house. See. And, uh-huh. and so, you know, there is some leeway within it. And, uh-huh. uh, but, but you still try, because if you're a director yourself, remounting someone else's work, you know the hardship, the stress, and the process that went into developing Mm -hmm. the concept Mm -hmm. in the first place Mm -hmm. and so to disregard that yeah it's just honor that yeah you do you really do and if you're a director yourself you know those things and and there's a feeling of camaraderie there and you feel like i really you chose this for a reason and i respect that just as much as i respect when i choose something for Mm -hmm. a reason Mm -hmm. um and i'm going to make that work Mm -hmm. it might not be exactly the same but it's going to be close it's going to be close. Right. Right. So, yeah, uh, remounts are difficult sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing about remounts that are difficult is um, a lot of times, uh, for example, I'll use um, the Barbieri, the mm-hmm. Barber Seville that mm-hmm. I directed in L.A. last season. Mm-hmm. I'd never worked that. Pr- it's a house production. I'd never worked on that production before. Is it the one I'd from Spain? I've never seen it. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. From Madrid? It's uh-huh. and uh, I had never seen it before. Uh-huh. Um, but the director, for some reason, he and I, because it's the same director from the Carmen mm-hmm. that I directed yeah. a couple of seasons ago. Yeah, same director. Um, he and I met for about thirty minutes. He Here was in, in LA? San Diego. Uh, oh, I drove down to San Diego. Uh-huh. He was in San Diego. We met for about thirty minutes, and that was it. Nice guy, casual guy. Oh yeah, great guy. Yeah, great guy. Uh, but that was kind of it, and then. All I had was a video because I'd never seen the production right, before right. or worked on it. Before. Was it art from L.A. from the season, mm-hmm. the one time with Juan Diego? Yeah, uh-huh. exactly. So I watched that video, um, you know, and you just you, you take as much of it as you possibly can off of the circumstances. And you I see mean, the things that you don't like and you think, oh, oh and you fix and, that a little bit. Or, or you know your cast, <clears throat> you know people in your cast and you know 
of that works really great for mm-hmm. that guide, not going to work so well for our cast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's see if we can't find something that's within the same vein. Was that with Renee? It what? was. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. It was with Renee. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So they're, they're, they're difficult in some ways. Yeah. They're more difficult in some ways than doing your own work. Um, I would imagine. Because there are guidelines. Right. That's right. You know, there are, I don't want to say the word restrictions because they're not restrictions. It's just a guideline. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There are parameters. So there, there are, there are, you within. have to stay in, in mm-hmm. the road. Yeah. You can't have a giant blue swan come across right. the stage if you right. feel like it. Exactly. Yeah. So you don't have that kind of opportunity. So in a lot of ways they're harder. I, see. I think they're a lot harder. And the other thing too, is that you have to convince yourself that you believe in the work so much that you can convince all of the singers that's that you right. believe in it. That's right. Whether you like it, whether you whether you believe in it wholeheartedly, doesn't make any you difference. You can't let on. No. Nope. Or the whole the the jig's up. That's it. Mm-hmm. It'll crash and burn in mm-hmm. a split second. So mm-hmm. you have to That's just about crowd control. I mean that's like sure. that's just you know, mob that's, mentality. That's exactly what yeah. it is. Yeah. yeah. So tell me how you got to LA Opera. So you're conducting all over, you're under uh Uzan. Right. So uh um Living in New York. I ended up in New York City. Okay. Living in Queens. You're in your early 30s. Loved it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Loved it. Thought single. It was fantastic. Single. Um, you know, m- much like many other New Yorkers, it was a place for me to drop my bag and mm-hmm. repack and mm-hmm. then get on the road again. Sure. Um, Did you go, go to Europe and do any directing? At that time, no. Uh-huh. I hadn't gone over to Europe. Most of my directing had been here in the States. Mm-hmm. Um, and s- s- things were great, you mm-hmm. know. Um, I would, I took on a couple of gigs, uh, assisting and associate directing, uh, for, you know, San Francisco and some of the larger nice. opera companies, which I had a great time, mm-hmm. uh, didn't want to move there. Didn't want to invest mm-hmm. in a company, mm-hmm. but was more than happy to come and sure. You know, sure. Do whatever production uh, they had asked me to come in for. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what happened with L.A. I mean, Rupert was here. Mm-hmm. And, and as I've said, we, there's a strong connection between Rupert and I because mm-hmm. we've been friends for many, many years. Mm-hmm. And um, at the time, L.A. Opera was doing The Fly. Oh, that the was. Fly? Yeah. Oh, I remember it. Oh, boy. Yeah. That's how you that was your baptism. That was my baptism. Holy to LA shit. Opera. Yeah. Oh, God. Rupert. Uh, Rupert called and actually Lila emailed me first. Mm-hmm. I had no idea who she was. Okay. Lila emailed me first to say, I've gotten your name from Rupert Hemmings. We're doing this new production, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Placido in the pit. Yeah. You know, the whole nine yards. Yeah. Would you be interested in coming out? Rupert said that, that this would be a great project for you. And so I said, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I'd completely be interested in coming out. I'd never been to LA before. Okay. I've mean, been to the West coast, obviously uh-huh. San Francisco, and yeah. but I'd never come down to Los Angeles. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I came out uh, just to work that one production, and uh-huh. it was, as we all know, horrible. Um, and I can say that <laughs> in, out loud so because many ways. everybody knows that. Um, but it was a lot of fun, and and I got to meet a lot of people, and I got to kind of reunite with Rupert and Michelle um, yeah. after so many years of being away. That's and, nice. And so it was a really fun experience for me. Uh, and I loved L.A., and... Um, yeah, I just there everything everything about the the town and yeah. and the company and and I really really I really really had a great time, but then they asked me to come back the next season for Tom Orlando, which oh was sure the second show that I did with Placido of course you know yeah singing and, and you were assisting and I was assisting uh-huh. um and 
that was the year that Lila and I started to go out. Huh. Um, and we didn't go out a lot. And you were still living in New York at I the time. I was still living in New York at okay. the time. I was or your, only your here for, sofa was in New York. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, got it. I was only here for eight weeks at a time, two months mm -hmm. gig. Mm -hmm. And then I'd go back off to go do everything else. Right. It was on my agenda for the season. Right. But, yeah, that's the second year I was here, Lila and I started to hang out. Um, kind of just as friends. And, and then, of course, like everything else, it grows into something else. But... Mm -hmm. um, it kind of got serious. And were you dating at all? I wasn't. Before that? I wasn't. I mean, I, you know, would date in New York, but I, again, dating was kind of, when you're on the road. Yeah. So you just kept it as a year. social thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh -huh. Nothing it, romantic. No, no, uh -huh. absolutely. Uh -huh. um, but anyway, so I, I, yeah, so I met Lila and um, we knew that that um, could be something and I went home and spent a lot of time thinking about it because once again another pivotal point point in your life mm -hmm. because now m my that that 13 year old who wanted to be in the business yeah. is in the business yeah. and in a big way it, yeah right um but I still missed the the personal the side constancy also yeah you know, I would imagine uh -huh. that was the stuff that I wanted as well that I had set aside so many years ago right um, so I was really nervous about it and I didn't quite know, um, I didn't quite know how to tackle it at first, but Lila's very smart. Yeah. Very, very smart. Yeah. Um, scary smart. And we had a lot of conversations about it. Um, and, and, uh, and I can say this out loud because she would say it out loud. I mean, Lila's divorced as well, mm -hmm. uh, for the same reason. Really? Work. Okay. Uh, interfered. So and, you had that in common. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. So we just, we, we spent six or seven months really kind of talking about what we wanted to do and, and how to make it work. Mm -hmm. And then the company made it really easy because then Rupert found out about it. And Rupert called and said, if you want to work here, he said, move to L.A., and we'll give you work. We'll give you all the work that you want. It's not directing work. Yeah. But we'll give you all the work that you want. You yeah. can pick and choose. You'll have you an want. income. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. That part of it, I'll take care of yeah. for you. And so that's what I did. Wow. Which is how eventually, through a very long story that it just took, you know, a good 15, 20 minutes there to get to where I am. But that's why, that's, that's why I'm in L.A. Um, you know, Lila and I, of course, are... Six years in now, which wow. is freaky to think about. Yeah. Uh, um, when I, I, you know, I wonder when we don't see you um, for productions, what you're doing. What do you do when you're not with us? Uh, some of it is, uh, some of it is I have work elsewhere. Okay. I'll go travel somewhere so you go else. Direct to somewhere something. else. Exactly. Okay. To go direct for a show there um, <clears throat> or to do something here in town. I mean, I just got finished doing the corral piece. Now that's Alexander's some, feast. Yeah. Right? Now that's something you, that was your, uh, you conceived that. <coughs> yes. Yeah. Grant and I, Grant approached me about a year and a half ago. Yeah. I said, I'm starting this new series of handle work. I know yeah. you love handle. I love handle. Uh huh. And, um, is it from said, your piano days or what? It is. And I yeah. just, I, I love the historical significance okay. of the period. I, yeah. I, I think it's, it's just your it's, thing. It's really kind of a cool, you know. Yeah. It's it's great stuff. You, you like wigs, is what stuff. you're saying. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, but uh, I do other things. Uh huh. And then the other half of the time, I sit and work in my backyard. Oh, that's so nice. You know. So you're doing just fine. Yeah. I, I mean, I I have I would not change anything. Tell me about I have the best uh, life. I I didn't mean to sound like we're wrapping it up because I do I have for my <laughs> own I've got my own personal questions that I'm really curious about. Um, no worries. How how was Alexander's feast for you? How did it come off? I didn't see it. Was it a good experience for you? It was a really good experience. Okay. It was a really good experience. I was I told Grant and I told the singers the chorale as a mm-hmm. whole. I said you know there are very few opportunities in your life that you have to to do something that is not necessarily significant, but I got to work with amazing, top amazing, of the, top of the game, right? Like mm-hmm. who has that? Mm-hmm. Who gets that opportunity? We're really lucky in LA. Incredibly actually. lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Especially with the chorale. If you're into choral music there, I, I, there really isn't another group in the country that rivals them. There is absolutely which is crazy. Not. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a humbling experience for me to mm-hmm. be able to work with so many fantastic artists, individual mm-hmm. artists that work together as an ensemble, and it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was Handel, and I love Handel. Yeah. Um, you are happy with the concept? I was. With the execution? The execution was a little bit hard. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a new foray for the crowd yeah. into this work. Yeah. Um, and... and uh, you know, they're residents of Disney Hall. And yeah. Disney Hall is a completely different entity than yes, the DCP. as a space. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot. There was a lot of new. There was a lot challenges. of Challenges. A lot uh-huh. of new. Yeah, uh-huh. a lot of challenges okay. along the way. But you know what? It's great because it's a, a multi-year project. Um, I think they learned a lot as an organization from mm-hmm. this time around. How the um, house works yeah, for performing, exactly. I would imagine. How to schedule differently, How mm-hmm. to what do we need to do here, mm-hmm. you know, what do we need to insert and spend more time. Right. And, you know, and of course it's all financial as well, yeah. obviously trying to deal with the finances. And I would imagine there's an aptitude difference in physically performing a piece with a group that doesn't do that normally. Exactly. That's not their bag. You know. that's absolutely so that right. must have been interesting it's con- it's it's you got to convince all of these great artists to jump on the train with you right and do something uncomfortable exactly and mm-hmm. step outside of the step outside of what what their comfortability zone mm-hmm. is of course now i've done a couple of um, <clears throat> different types of work i i put together this show using photography and it was there was music and singing and and I had this great vision about how the pictures were going to tie in, and the, the fucking thing just fell apart. Like during the performance, I thought, "Oh, this is ter- this is terrible. I've done a terrible job." And I sat there and didn't. And the whole thing was a disaster. Have you ever? Um, I've had like two or three giant professional failures, and I count that as one of them. Um, have you ever like conceived of a show and gotten all the way to to stage and? And, you know, it happened to us at L.A. Opera. I know it happens at a very high level. We were doing a bel canto opera with, uh, where the lady, the, the main soprano, goes crazy and just covered in blood. And it was this production that this lady brought, and it basically just fell apart in front of our eyes. And, um, and I understood what she was going through because every day she would parse and she'd cut in front of our eyes. And I just thought, oh, shit, I, I know what she's going through. Yeah. Has that ever happened to you? Does that? Yeah, I think that happens to everybody. Okay. I think that happens to everybody. Um, I mean, it's, it's just. I mean, it's, it's it's a shooting gallery, right? Yeah. Sometimes you hit the bullseye and sometimes you, it's a complete miss. Tell me about it. Um, Tell me about the miss. The miss. 
Oh my gosh. Um, I'm trying to think of what the, because there've been several. Well, the thing, the reason I asked that I've, time. I've found that being a pro, a big part of being a pro is the ability to recover emotionally, yes. psychologically, and professionally from when it just goes down the shitter. Well, it's, it's what I tell people. Uh, it, it's what I tell people all the time, which is, um, you know, it's not rocket science. Yeah. We're not performing brain surgery. That's right. God, I say that too. It, it, it's, yeah. it's not. I mean, yeah. let's be honest. It's let's not let's have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. And you let's know, entertain people. That's, that is my big thing, which is work doesn't have to be boring. Work doesn't have to be hard. Right. It's only as boring as hard as you make that's it. That's right. Um, but you also have to get, you, you also have to be done with something, look at it. And, and even the worst productions that I've ever done, yeah. There are there are redeeming qualities within it. Sure, it's not like the whole entire thing's a piece of shit. That's right. Yeah. You know, Act Two might be a piece of shit. Yeah. Act One's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, is it? Have, have you ever done something conceptually that you've realized too late? I have done things conceptually that did not, and this was a lesson I learned very early on. Yeah, I did things conceptually that did not work for that house. Oh, that's interesting. And I think that's something that. In as artists, we you know it's we're daydreamers. I, I, I'm a huge daydreamer. Yeah, I can plug in the earbuds and listen to Alexander's Feast and yeah, and, and see, I it. see it. Yeah, see it. Mm-hmm. Um, but every every concept, every idea doesn't fit every house. It's not universal. Yeah, I, I don't. And see when did you realize that? Universal. I mean, I would imagine that you you try and shove a round peg into a square hole, and and then it's just too late. It, and it is too late. And then that's when you see it. Yeah, because oh, at God. that point you're oh, like, God. oh yeah, this oh. is not gonna work. <laughs> you know, I mean, I've walked out of the house before where you know, as I'm walking out the door, I hear the the president of the board behind me talking about the piece of shit that he just oh, saw, God. and you're like, oh, oh my God. But you know what? That's okay because it doesn't necessarily mean that the piece was bad. Yeah. It just means that the piece didn't work in that particular scenario. Yeah. And sometimes the concept is good, but you, you, you don't have the, like with this thing that I did, I, I felt the concept was great. I just didn't execute it in a way. Well, it, it was, I mean, God damn. I mean, it was badly executed first. The whole thing was just fucked up. Um, but I, I had this great idea that I couldn't, get out there right uh, there was some something preventing me from realizing it in a way that made sense right is that uh, yeah does yeah. that make sense to you absolutely like, totally like, makes sense it's like you have to say guys it actually was a great idea let me, i you know trust me <laughs> you know what, what you know what's funny about directing and or producing that's a little bit different i think in a lot of ways than um in live theater mm-hmm. in comparison uh, you know, if you're a novelist, you're going to write the first draft. Somebody's going to read it. They're going to tell you what you think, and you get to rewrite it before you get to the public. Oh, I, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. It, it, if you're a movie director, yeah. you're going to take 20 takes, and you're going to sure. choose the best one. Yeah, right. If you're directing live theater, you don't have other one of those things. Yeah. It's a, it's a all up front, all at one time. That's right. You know, like, spill it all out. For, there it all is yeah. right there. Yeah. There's nobody that can make a judgment call and help you it's out too weeks late. before. It's too late. There's no way to say, oh, curtain in. Let's start over again. Yeah. Like that doesn't happen. Yeah. So it's a Unless risk. you do it during the performance, uh, during the rehearsal process. And right. if you can catch it early enough, like this person I mentioned earlier, I, that's what she was doing. She, 
she she had the luxury of realizing that early Absolutely. enough. And there are instances where, of course, that happens. I can get into the third or fourth day of rehearsal, and I think, Ooh. okay, the character that I had for you does yeah. not jive for you. We need to make a massive change. This is not working for you. And, and it sometimes has disservice. to do with the, the actor or the singer that you're working with. Absolutely. In, in, I see. More times yeah. than not. Yeah. But I don't like pushing people. I like challenging people, but I don't like pushing people. Yeah. If you push someone, you're never going to get They're going to push back. Challenge yeah. people, though. I, I don't want to make this just a simple in and out for you. It That's should be right. fun. It should be interesting. And that way you're on the same team. You become collaborators. Exactly. Instead That's of exactly dictatorial. Right. Yeah. Um, but you always have to come out of, of every production that you do, mm -hmm. even if it's one that crashes and burns. Mm -hmm. And you learn a lesson from it. For sure. That is the one thing I learned from Bernard, mm -hmm. my manager, um, was that life goes on. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And people the, forget about <clears throat> it. 48 hours have it. forgotten about They've it. They've forgotten about it. Yeah. And then you move on to the next project. And you can't let the past project you bring color down everything. the yeah. next one. Mm -hmm. I, it's just that's not something you can allow yourself to do. And mm -hmm. it's an easy rut to get into. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. know? <clears throat> I'm one of those people where... Maybe this is just the security that I have in myself, but um, I like a good review as much as anyone else. Mm -hmm. But if it's not a good review, psh, I, the paper's going to go in the trash just mm -hmm. like it does every Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. Either way. Right. Yeah. I take them both. When I, when I get reviewed, I take them both with a grain of salt. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I because mean, they have their agenda to, to sell of BMWs and soap and <clears throat> toilet paper. That's and, absolutely you know, That's right. what they're doing. You can't let yourself get so self-involved that you lose track of the bigger picture. Um, now I've learned a lot of things through the years, you know. The Alexander's Feast is a perfect example of that. Um, was it, uh, you know, was it a, a piece that made you think? No. It was a little bit of a tutti frutti piece. Mm -hmm. I call them tutti frutti pieces, mm -hmm. which means that it's pretty. It it's a reflection of the art itself, right? It I is. mean, yeah, it is. That's exactly you what can't it polish is. a turd. Not that it's a turd, but you know, you just that's, what you have. But that's yeah. right. That's right. But you know what? You have to be okay with that. Yeah, and you have to make be it the able, best it can be. Right. You mm -hmm. have to be able to connect with people. The mm -hmm. reason why, at thirteen years of age, I wanted to be in show business business mm -hmm. <clears throat> or the arts in some way is because I sat during the ovation and I watched all these people around me up on their feet mm -hmm. just going hog shit crazy yeah. for this stuff. Yeah. They're and transformed. Thought, oh my God, this is totally what I want to do. I yeah. want to make people feel that way every single yeah. time. Yeah. So you, tra you transport them to some you, other you place for a little while. You do. You take yeah. them out it's of the... a little perfect place. It is perfect. Yeah. For them, it's perfect. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I've just learned over the years not to forget that, uh -huh. not to forget who your audience is and not to forget why you started doing what you're doing in the first place. It's too easy. It's too easy for us after 30 years, 25 yeah. years in. You get jaded and You get totally cynical. jaded and, and it's kind of like, oh, we're going to do another one of these. And, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. It's easy to do that. Count your lucky stars though. That's it. You know? That's it. My mom always told me when I was a kid, she said, you know what? She said, you're so much better than a lot of people. Mm -hmm. She said, there will always be people that are better than you. Always. Always. Yeah. There will always be people that yeah. are better than you. But there's so many more people who wish they had what you have. And that's what you have to concentrate on. 
you have to remind yourself on a daily basis. Look at what I'm doing. Look at where I am. If I were to die tomorrow, is my life fulfilling up to this point? Easy? No. Fulfilling? Yes. And you just have to, you have to go with that, man. Yeah. You have to go with that. You can't let yourself get so downtrodden. Each new day is a new day. Each project's a new project. And, and you just, you, yeah, I'm more, I am much more into the enjoying what I do on a daily basis, mm-hmm. enjoying the people that I get to do it with mm-hmm. and knowing that I can do it over and over and over again. And that is a tremendous feeling. Tremendous feeling. That's goddamn right. Yeah. Well, Trevor, I, I appreciate you coming. Thanks for having me. That was a great chat. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely.